First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. I didn't choose this for my life, but once I took that step, then God put all the rest of the pieces together. It was just that terrifying moment of quitting your job and renting out your house and not knowing what was really going to happen to see that, that God was really at work in absolutely every aspect of it. Step of Faith led to a ministry like no other. Coming up on First Person, you'll meet Scott Hilgendorf, who ministers to rodeo cowboys. Welcome to this week's interview. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Before we meet our guest, please take time to visit firstpersoninterview.com, where you'll find not only a schedule of what's coming up in the weeks ahead, but also an audio archive of past programs and stories you may have missed. I also encourage you to download our free smartphone app, First Person Interview. With the app, you can download as many interviews as you like and take them with you on the go. Look for First Person Interview in your app store. Well, it was a listener who told me about our guest. Scott Hilgendorf has the unusual ministry called Cowboys of the Cross. Cowboy and rodeo culture is alive and well, and the people who are a part of it have spiritual needs just like the rest of us. So Scott has stepped into the role of cowboy chaplain. When we talked on the phone, I asked him to first tell me his own story. I grew up Canadian uh, in in southern Ontario and um, went to school to study journalism and was working my way through a large media company in Canada uh, eventually heading towards what was looking like a, a career in the management part of the of the company mm-hmm. and um, was just working both sides of things uh, as a reporter editor and eventually transitioned into the the sales the sales side of it so a very opposite background I guess to the the life I found myself in or, or where <laughs> God placed me unexpectedly yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that but uh, have you been a Christian a long time uh, since since my mid twenties, I had started uh, traveling down to Tennessee as a place to to be able to camp. I wanted somewhere I could get into mountains. I'd had a mountain experience as a kid in the Rockies, and I always wanted to go back. And the Smokies was about the closest I could afford to go uh, in a day's worth of drive. Uh, found myself in the mountains and um, had one of those one of those mountaintop experiences where suddenly I started to question everything when I was looking at just mountain after mountain after mountain and just realizing there's so much more than just us. And I just began questioning, uh, one of those situations where actually nobody actually shared the gospel with me, uh, my background in journalism, I just started digging in with so many different faiths and religions. I finally was able to believe in God and started exploring and looking for what, what made the most sense. And once you got into, the Bible and and just an understanding of of how it came to exist and and the information that's in it uh, it it proved itself to be very true. I looked at it journalistically and something that was really profound to me was the Gospels, where people like to try to use a, a few parts there to to discredit the accuracy of, of of Scripture because one will will describe the situation a little bit differently and another describes it in a different perspective, that's what it was like covering a court case as a journalist, is each witness offered a different perspective. So their stories didn't exactly line up exactly the same, but they were still describing the the, the details were were correct. 
and you could come to an understanding of what the truth was. And so to me, that showed that the four authors didn't just sit around and get their stories together. You know, they didn't make sure that they were painting a, a complete picture to to pull one over on everybody back in that time period. Um, it was something that had to be very real because because it wasn't um, it, it wasn't refined. It yeah. wasn't they didn't like exactly when when you catch somebody in a lie, uh, you've caught them because they've tried to get their story straight. Yeah, boy, you remind me of Lee Strobel. Are you familiar with Lee? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, The Case for Christ and many other fine books. As a journalist, uh, and starting out as a skeptic and trying to disprove Christianity and ended up on the side of Christ. It really, it really is an amazing story. You remind me of that, Scott. So you're working in media in Ontario, Canada. And how in the world did you connected, get connected with the rodeo circuit? <laughs> the, the, the stereotypical cliched answer would be God. I mean, start, certain things just started pulling together, but um, nothing, nothing I had planned. And that's what I've shared with friends before is, is I did not choose this life at all. Um, I just, I found myself in the middle of it. It was uh, a growing interest in photography. I had started doing some, some work on the side and stumbled into a rodeo where I discovered I, I had an act for shooting the events, could get the timing right and get some decent photos that transitioned into working with one of the rodeo companies starting to do marketing for them. And then coupled that with still traveling down to Tennessee and my faith growing, I had met a couple of Christian bull riders that were involved in ministry and they were doing what we know as, as cowboy church, which is just short services behind the shoots before a rodeo starts or a bull riding starts. So um, I had, I had taken an interest in what they were doing and started doing that in, in Ontario initially, just really timid as far as trying to preach or, or do anything on a significant noticeable scale. I had just started getting rubber stamps and stamping Bible verses on the backs of the photographs that I was selling and, and sticking <laughs> tracks in the envelopes, uh, as the only way I really could get comfortable just starting to share my faith. But the the situation just started to evolve where I would come down here, help them and they would have to go ride after they did cowboy church. They'd have to go get ready. So I'd be standing there and I'd be the person then that was left over that somebody could come and talk to. Hmm. So I began to sort of develop these one-on-one relationships with some of the guys down here. And those relationships just, just grew. The same thing started to happen in Ontario. The the two cowboys that I had been working with, the two bull riders, they were retiring from the sport, and I was still in the middle of situations with some of the contestants that I'd been meeting that had transitioned into discipleship relationships. So it wasn't something that I could just walk away from while they were walking away from the industry. So instead of just doing the one-on-one, I felt pulled then to continue doing cowboy church. So I would travel down to Tennessee on vacations, and the one rodeo company that they'd been working with, I, I continued working with them. Hmm. Uh, I was blessed with over four weeks of vacation time at that point. So that was a lot of weekends I could get down here for. Yeah. And and then starting to do the same thing in Ontario, I just I just bit the bullet and, and started teaching. Uh, and then what ended up happening is the workload in the industry I was in, We'd been through the downsizing. I was already doing the work of three people at the one newspaper office I was with. And then ministry itself, it was getting to be two, three in the morning when I was getting off the phone with somebody and then working on sermon preparation, which was really difficult for me at that time. So it took a lot of time just to get a simple message ready. So 
something had to give. I couldn't, I couldn't keep doing both. And that's where I say, I didn't, I didn't choose this because everything I'd been learning about my faith is, is where the priorities are, is, is anything that's about sharing the gospel, the great commission. So when it came to choosing what was about to become job promotions into management or walking away from, from ministry, I really didn't have a choice. So I, I surprised everyone, shocked family. There's not a lot of Christians in my family. <laughs> and I put my house up for rent, and uh, I hit the road. I was I was living in my van, traveling back and forth between between Canada and the U.S. I was staying in a church parking lot in in London, Ontario, um, the, the city closest to where I grew up, and the church that I'd been going to at the time. And at the same time, I had I had formed a partnership with, uh, a church in Ontario, a small church that um, their their pastor was a sales manager at one of our competitive newspapers. So we knew each other professionally in that capacity. Then when I'd gone into ministry, um, he brought the ministry to their church so that I had a way that I could start to fundraise and be accountable. Like there was some level of accountability then because I wouldn't even accept a $20 donation from somebody when it was just going in my pocket. So So the funds started to come available to be able to do it this way. And and once I once I took the leap, there were a few people that knew some of what I was doing and wanting to do, and they were waiting to see if I was going to be true to my calling. And as soon as I as soon as I had gave notice at work, um, they had they had come on board as, as supporters to help me make it happen. Well, I, I always find so, it so interesting the circumstances that God uses and creates really to uh, you know to guide us into what His calling for us is, and yours is one of those stories. So, is it fair to say that you are a rodeo chaplain? Is that what you do now? Is that your full time work? That's the easiest way to describe it. Yes, I, I'm officially. I've gone through the whole immigration process now. I'm in the U.S. Uh, near Gatlinburg, Tennessee, with a green card. And uh, a sister church to the one that was helping me in Ontario had agreed to take the the ministry on with them in Lewisburg, Tennessee, near Nashville. And so they've become the host church for this ministry and allowed a lot of things to happen for me to be able to transition here in a in a full time capacity. So um, a lot a lot sort of a lot sort of pulled together unexpectedly and and all at once. That it's just I mean a, a huge. Like I said, I didn't choose this for my life, but once I once I took that step, then God put all the rest of the pieces together. It was just that terrifying moment of of quitting your job and and renting out your house and and not knowing what was really going to happen. Uh, to see that that God was really at work in in absolutely every aspect of this. Just how does a cowboy chaplain go about his work? We'll find out as we continue to talk with Scott Hilgendorf on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's Word. In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Scott Hilgendorf, who is a rodeo chaplain. 
And I want to talk about this ministry. Uh, recently, we talked with a chaplain, someone who had served as a chaplain for motor racing outreach. Is it similar with the, the rodeo circuit? You, you hold services uh, before or after rodeos? That's right. That's the, that's the more visible side of what the ministry does. So, so I'll travel to different events. I work with, with uh, about three or four different rodeo and bull riding associations. Uh, as some, some officially as their chaplain, some where I just, I'm just welcome at their events. And we do just what's called Cowboy Church. It's just a short service before the event. We give a little bit of a message, uh, and then pray with the guys, and 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 then try to try to minister, try to build relationships with them. And that's that's where the real work of the ministry kicks in. Mm-hmm. Is Cowboy Church is the exciting, visible part of what we do, but it's the relationships that come out of that that lead into discipleship opportunities, and that's where the rest of your week is spent. Uh, just trying to to teach, equip, and and minister one on one with them. Yeah. Now I know nothing about the rodeo culture, but is this something where they travel from city to city on a circuit kind of thing? How does it work, and what kind of life challenges does that present? Uh, that it's exactly what happens is these these guys will travel just hundreds of miles in a weekend to compete at different events, and there's there's multiple associations. So we have what ultimately are amateur classes. Uh, all the way up to to the professional side of the industry, where they're making as much money as any other professional athlete. So most of them have those goals and those dreams. Very few of them are going to get that far, and it comes it comes at a cost, especially on the rough stock side. And the rough stock being the bull riding and, and bronc riding, and then you've got your timed events with roping and such. But it all requires a lot of time, a lot of commitment, and a lot of time away from home. So. These guys don't have churches that they can just be plugged into on a regular basis. And one thing about the rodeo and cowboy culture is there's that there's that rough, tough stereotype, and and much of that's true. I mean, stereotypes exist for a reason, mm-hmm. but people don't realize just how strong the Christian faith is within the industry, or at least at least a faith in God. And so most most rodeo cowboys, most bull riders, will identify themselves as Christians. What they what they really believe that takes that one on one time to to get in with them and and really bring the gospel to them to find out is it is it just a faith in God is it a desire for prayer because they want to be kept safe before they do something very dangerous or do they have a life changing faith in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and so those are the ones you find that you can you can disciple the others you have to spend more time just bringing the gospel to them and, and hoping to bring about a real saving faith in Jesus with them. Yeah. It's such an interesting ministry, Scott, because uh, I'm imagining that people in this rodeo culture don't have the opportunity to uh, to settle down into a regular church service. So you, you kind of bring church to them, don't you? Exactly. This this becomes this becomes their church. Some It makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but some of them do consider me their pastor. Um, and, and I guess ultimately that that's the role that... The, the, I take for them, but it's so non-traditional to the way we look at and understand church. Mm-hmm. My goal then is is to have them ready to plug in somewhere when they do retire from the sport. Okay, that they will plug into a church, and and I've been doing this for full time now for just over fifteen years. So I'm starting to see that happening where some of the some of the guys now have got small families of their own and they're and they're settling into to a traditional life and and taking part in church uh, a couple that have gone on to become elders in churches wonderful um yes it's, it's really exciting when you get to see that happen yeah well without naming names you have a lot of testimonies on your website of lives that are touched by this ministry and changed by Christ but can you tell me one or more of those stories just a life that's been touched by your ministry and how grateful you are 
Uh, one, one in particular that, that's, that's actually not on the website, but probably had a big effect on me as well, uh, was, was a young, a young bull rider when, when I was getting started in all of this, he was one of the people that I had, a a, a relationship that I was in the middle of and couldn't walk away from. And we had worked together for a couple of years. I would spend time with him anytime I could come down here and lots of time on the phone and lots of, lots of stereotypical drama and difficult things happening in his life. Things were, were getting really difficult for him. And at one point when we, when we first connected and that was how we ended up connecting is, um, he had, he had warrants out for his arrest over something that wasn't exactly his fault. And, he had he had called to the place where I was staying, looking for me. He'd actually called the wrong number. He was trying to reach me in Ontario, and I happened to be here at that time when he called. And he initially felt like he just wanted somebody to pray with him. And through the course of the conversation, I knew I knew that was not enough. That that I mean, as powerful and important as prayer is, he needed some time. So I. I drove up to a couple hours from, from where I was staying to where he was at, picked him up. We went camping, um, as total strangers and, uh, and just got into, got into the word, got into a situation and tried to look at what some biblical solutions would be to that. Uh, took him home, drove him around picking up resumes to get a job, got him a job over the course of a day, selling pizza from a tent at a pizza place that didn't have a drive through <laughs> He was able to pay off the fines that he had. He was able to get back into to rodeo again. He had enough money to get a car again, to get on the road again. And over the course of a couple of years working with him, uh, our time was just done. We we had I'd taken him as far as, as I could take him. God had done what I thought God was going to do. He was... Um, he was getting plugged into a church. He did come up to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. So it felt like it was over. It was done. And, and, and what a blessing and what an encouragement for me. So once I took the leap into missions full time and I was, I was down here terrified at what I had just done. (laughs) And I had got a phone call from him. He tracked me down again um, found someone that had already met me. I'd been doing this for about three months and I was, I was staying with one of the rodeo families in North Carolina after an event. And, um, that was one of the first times I'd stayed, you know, in somebody else's house and just, just like I said, wondering what I'd done with my life and, and questioning everything. And he, he had just wanted to let me know that he had become, the associate pastor at a church now, not too far from where I'm living. Is that right? And, and I was just absolutely blown away, but he just wanted to find me to tell me that that was, that that was where his story had ended up. Oh, terrific. Wow. What a great story. Yeah. Love it. And, and a huge encouragement to, to keep going. Yeah. Well, with the number of associations, I'm sure there are, and number of rodeos around the country, uh, how many do you get to and how can you spread yourself so thin? (laughs) It's that, there's that there's that story about about you know the starfish on the beach that are, that are drying up and and you can't save them all you <laughs> you you pick up the ones you can and throw them back in the water and and it's just the volume of events you just you you just can't possibly be everywhere and and you can't you can't be in a relationship with every person that that needs you so you just you do what you can and you trust God to mm-hmm. put the right people in your path that 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 he wants you to deal with 
Um, I've got, I've got some friends that it drives them crazy because it feels like, it feels like just such chaos in how I live my life, which uh, it's, it's led me to being single. And probably, probably the only thing I sometimes struggle with in terms of having gone into missions full time is that I never got to have a family, but it's because you never know when one of these guys is going to put you down as their emergency contact person in the hospital. I've had that happen more than once where I've ended up staying somewhere uh, away from home for an extra few days just till I knew that they were okay because their family is 800 miles away and you're the only person that they, that they know and, and trust and, and want to bring you into that. So, so same with the events, you, you sort of pick and choose. Uh, so I've got access sometimes to the, the entry list and I'll see that there's a contestant entered there that somebody I haven't touched base in a while with and need to. So, so uh, that's the show I'll, I'll go to, or uh, it'll just be a place that I haven't had a chance to, to touch base in quite a while. So you just try to you try to keep that physical presence there, and I and I probably average uh, three three events a, a month. Um, some some months there's more because you get into fair season, mm-hmm. so you can have three or four shows in one week where you're doing cowboy church. And then other times you can get a couple of weeks off in between where the shows are just too far away to budget because that becomes part of the factor too is sure. is just how far you can afford to go. Um, so so you just keep your presence out there. But then, like I said before, the work of the ministry becomes the relationships that, that come out of those situations. So the rest of the week you just you just spend um, you know looking for the opportunities to to disciple. On top of that, then you know, maintain. And I keep saying we because I've been I've been blessed with the with a small team of 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 cowboys that have have come together that will contribute to the website. Nice. So we use we use that as a way to to try to teach and disciple the stuff we put on the website. We gear towards the cowboys that really do want to learn more about their faith. This gives them opportunity. We do something every other every other Thursday. There's new information there, new devotions. And then we use social media. We try to do some some shorter things there. We've started something we're calling the short go, and we try to keep them to two two or three minute messages. Just the attention spans that we're dealing with, the way social media is created and TikTok has created all these short things that that people look at and watch. We're all terrified of this because we just we don't ever want to mishandle the the biblical text and sure. to try to teach something in such a short amount of time. It's it's new for us, and it's become a real challenge for us as as a small group. But um, but the we then becomes uh, uh, there's a ranch hand in, in Idaho. Uh, there's a, a bull rider that's gone on to become uh, a pastor in North Carolina. Uh, there's uh, there's just a, a regular horseman in Kentucky. Uh, I've got a retired bull rider in Indi- Indiana, and uh, another retired bull rider in Pennsylvania. Um, I'm, I know I'm already leaving out some of them, <laughs> but, but, but they've all been people that I've met one way or another through this ministry over the course of this 15 years. I've watched them grow from somebody that, that I was able to disciple to now they're people working alongside me. And it's just, it's become a really wonderful thing so to, to have them on board. It's always amazing to me to learn how God prepares and moves people into positions where they can minister to other people and have a spiritual impact. That's certainly the case with the guest who joined us today, Scott Hilgendorf, a rodeo chaplain. The ministry is called Cowboys of the Cross, and we'll place a link to their website at firstpersoninterview.com. These programs are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, who celebrates the stories of God at work all over the world. 
FEBC's ministry reaches millions with the gospel through innovative programs on the radio and internet in at least 50 countries of the world, many times countries that are hard to reach under normal circumstances. Please learn more about the mission of FEBC by visiting febc.org and listen to the podcast until all have heard at febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. I invite you to join us next week for First Person.